0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Previously on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. In 2019, where we're all about chasing our passions and, like, self-love and, like, being the most authentic and healthiest version of you, like, him in that role is not authentic magic.
2: And I agree with all of that. I mean, I, I think there is... You know he wants to be able to promote the game and to kind of be he wants to be magic you know like that that's that's the role he wants to be able to play however however i have never in my entire career ever i've covered a lot of i've covered a lot of people getting fired or resigned i've never seen someone say hey look i'm so close to my boss that i just can't tell them Directly, So I'm going to broadcast the mess on TV.
1: Buckets, Boards & Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards & Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Last week on Buckets, Boards & Blocks, that was my guy, Myron Medcalf. Talking about La La Land losing its magic, not as attractive as it once was. There's a lot to be worked out for the purple and gold. Only time will tell. This week, we're staying in the NBA, talking NBA playoffs. A couple of baffling happenings in playoff series. We're getting into the Raptors magic and the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Clippers. Buckets, boards, and blocks. Here's a little preview of my first guest. She's breaking ground and going into uncharted territories for women. It's my girl, Megan McPeak. Here's Brown,
0: 13 on the shot clock. Best in the corner. Brown goes baseline, comes back. Hands it off to Savage. Nice two-handed dunk from Caboclo after the nice dish from Savage. Great read on Savage. Cornette a dead on three. He's just gone three of four from long range in the last, what,
1: two minutes? Yeah, ten points early. Let's run it. This is Buckets, Boards & Blocks, and this week I'm super pumped to have one of my fellow DMV residents, The homegirl who is killing it as one of the very few play-by-play voices in the NBA and the G League. My friend Megan McPeak, who is the play-by-play of the Capital City Go-Go, the Washington Wizards G League team. Megan, how you feeling, love? I am doing amazing, Monica. How are you? Girl, I am fantastic. I'm so pumped to jump into this conversation with you because you know I'm all about celebrating this magic that you got going on. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, so, of course, it's playoff time, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I think it's so important, Megan, that we kind of share and celebrate what you're accomplishing. Another one of the fantastic writers in this area and women doing her thing covering sports, Candace Buckner, profiled you earlier this year when you had the opportunity to be the play-by-play voice for the Wizards matchup with the Detroit Pistons. And in her article, she talks about you being on a very short list The last time that she referenced in the article was 1988, done by Leandra Riley. I do know that my friend Lisa Byington did a game for the Bulls as well this year, but you guys are few and far between. So first, Megan, what attracted you to this side of broadcasting?
0: Well, for me, it was setting up life after playing. Um, Like most athletes, past college, your expectation and your thought is, To play pro, whether it's football, basketball, um, volleyball, gymnastics, whatever your sport is, your your expectation after college usually is to go pro, make money off of it, um, make money off of your talents and your skills. So like most athletes, I had that mindset. So I was more thinking life after that um, to prepare myself to be ready for a life and a career after playing. You never know if your career might go five years, might go 10, 15, 20, whatever it may be. You just need to be ready. So I was trying to set myself up for that. Um, uh, and unfortunately, my life after basketball derailed quicker than I would have liked, um, and it was basically my college career, and that was it um, due to a severe concussion that I essentially missed my entire last semester of my college Experience um, and had to repeat actually in summer once I was cleared to even return to the classroom. So I think I ended up missing out of a 15-week semester. I believe I missed 11 or 12 weeks. So I basically missed 90% of the semester uh, because of this concussion. So um, as you know, a lot of pro teams won't necessarily take you when you've had a concussion that bad, being you know your second um, or third one for me, it was my second bad one. I suffered a bad one in high school, but I was young. So obviously, you know, brain bounces back and brain is still developing, um, into your early twenties. So for me, it was a lot quicker, (laughs) unfortunately, but, um, I think it was the path that I was supposed to be on. Um, looking back at it, I don't know if I was supposed to play pro. Um, and this is now the path that I'm on. And I've, I accepted it pretty quickly, Um, and uh, I'm I'm not complaining at all.
1: (laughs) Girl, you shouldn't be. You are killing it. So it ends, right, and you're making this transition. Did somebody say, hey, you should go into play-by-play, or were you doing analyst work and decided you wanted to go to the other side? Like, what happened? Yeah, so when I was, um, my last two years of college, I
0: was taking the radio program um, at my alma mater, Uh, Humber College which is in Toronto and so I was you know as I said preparing myself for life after basketball going through everything early so that I wouldn't have to make that uncomfortable adjustment that we see pro athletes make from going from the field or the court or the ice to the booth Um, I wanted to at least prepare myself to be ready for it and to, to know what to expect um, so when I graduated, eventually, um, I was working, you know, part-time retail at Lululemon, and a coworker who had graduated from the university by my hometown, um, she had gotten an email. They were looking for broadcasters on their school's radio station, and she didn't know if I could apply for it because I didn't graduate. They didn't really mention the the specifics of what they were looking for other than they were just looking for people who wanted to do games. Um, So she forwarded it to me. I sent an email and uh, the director at the time, Jamie Tenant, was nice enough to bring me in um, for an interview and a sort of audition with with one of the uh, analysts at the time. And originally, I was doing color um, for the women's team um, at McMaster University on their radio. And, you know, it was like, I want to say it was three or four games in, um, if my memory serves me correct. And the gentleman who had been doing football and basketball play-by-play on that, on, on CFMU, which is the, the station there for, like, at least 30, 35 years, like, he had probably been there before some professors were even born, um, or some of the professors were even, you know, in high school. He had been there that long. Uh, He unfortunately fell ill, so they asked me to step in um, in his absence for the time being and try out a play-by-play. I had never done it, so I was like, okay, like, you know I've never done it. (laughs) I don't really know if you guys want me to do it. but they didn't care. Um, They supported it. They were like, you know what, it it might not be for a long time, so don't really worry about it. Um, And, you know, it was like three or four games I had done it and I was enjoying it so much because it's so different and so fun. Um, Subsequently, unfortunately, uh, he had ended up passing away um, from his illness. He was, I want to say he was in his late 70s, early 80s. Like he was, it was it was time but not time, if you will. <laughs> as as uh, morbid as that sounds. It's not like he was oh, no, a young thirty or forty something and this kind of came out of nowhere. He was older and had been dealing with a few illnesses, so um yeah, it 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 fell into my lap in a very unfortunate way. But yeah. now, um ten years later um I haven't looked back.
1: Girl. Wow. See, look at that. Sometimes we just don't know how doors are going to open, but then once you open them, you start building a whole house. So you're doing this thing (laughs) right out of college. Then before you came to join us here in D.C., you were with the Toronto Raptors and know that organization really well. The G League, you are from Toronto. Are you from Toronto, Megan? I'm from Hamilton, which is like 40 minutes west of Toronto. Got you. So killing it, obviously, in Toronto. Somebody get your stuff here in D.C., Mm -hmm. and now you're here. Like, what, I guess, was it a difference in your mind moving from Toronto to the United States of America, although you had been already working in the NBA space? Um, not really, which is, you know, kind of crazy.
0: Um, I mean, the obvious change of, like, politics and healthcare, (laughs) I know this is a (laughs) sports show, but that's like the nicest way I can put it (laughs) has been a big change. Um, But at the same time, just with like media coverage, we up in Canada, like we see everything that's going on um, when it comes to life outside of Canada and life around the world. Um, So it's not like I didn't know and I was kind of living in a bubble, if you will. Um, I had an idea what, you know, I was quote unquote, going into, um, when it comes to making a move, but I knew probably, I would say like my first, either my first semester of my second year or in first year, I knew my ultimate goal was to be in the U S working in the NBA. Um, that was my goal from day one was to get to the NBA. Um, and also, you know, whether that was to do some college, in Canada and the U.S. or you know do G League or um do WNBA and my ultimate goal was to get to the NBA and consistently be a voice for a team um or you know ESPN, TNT, NBA, TV, whatever it may be that is, that's my ultimate goal and it still is um so you know doing the preseason game with the Wizards and the Pistons this year was an amazing experience um and it confirmed that I have the ability to do it at that level. Um, And it's not just, you know, an open dream that I'm kind of just hoping Um, it's, it's a, it's no longer a dream. Like that's, that is my goal. And that will continue to be my goal until I'm doing it. Um, So it hasn't been like a huge transition. I kind of, I've been now looking at DC. Um, It's kind of got this like big city, small town vibe, if you will. Like it's big city because it's the nation's capital um and there's always something going on but it also has this small town feel that like outside of the you know 9 to 5 9 to 7ish work hours monday to friday it kind of like shuts down the way small towns will that's such you, a good you get what um, i mean yep no you i get like, totally. so it like so i adjusted super easy because toronto i was there although i lived outside of toronto um and grew up outside of toronto I had, you know, the past, like, four years, I've been working in Toronto covering the Raptors and the Raptors 905. So, I've, I'm always there. So, I'm used to the big city. Um, and it's it's I'm that type of personality that I like the big city. So, the adjustment has been super easy. Um, and then also, too, with the, I don't know if you would call it fortunate or the convenience and coincidence that the last, what, five years? The Raptors and the Wizards have faced off at some point in the playoffs, <laughs> yeah, we'll call that, it uh coincidence <laughs> you know it ha- it it actually allowed me to get to know a lot of the people around the Wizards organization um so that made the transition even easier because I was coming into a place that I knew people versus if I moved to Memphis or I mean, right. Stack would have been there, so I would have known Stack. But like, if I moved to um, like Houston or to Los Angeles, like I would I would be going and not knowing anyone except for who I interviewed with, um, and like that that's about it. So I think for me, the transition and the adjustment been really easy because of the way that things had gone the last few years for me, and just being able to meet different people get to know different people, um and, and in a in a way that kinda helped um set me up for applying for, for this job because I ran into Pop when he was scouting with the Spurs, ran into him at Summer League, was talking to him about, you know, wanting to be in the US, um and then, you know, reached back out to each other. And that's how this kind of came about. And I, you know, made the comment that if they're looking for a play-by-play, like, let me know and I'll send you, like, I'll send you my stuff so you can, you know, get it to the right people. Um, So, you know, just a happy coincidence of running into a former Raptor player who was working on a scout at the now Scotiabank Arena a few years ago, put me in a position where that connection and that friendship um and and working relationship allowed me to make a comment about you know him being the general manager and hey if you guys are looking for you know a play-by-play person like let me know like even if you don't go with me like I just like to apply so that I can get my name in you know in front of people and people can get familiar with me outside of Toronto um So, you know, well,
1: professional relationship (laughs) works for sure. Well played, Megan. And you know, I'm thrilled to have you here. I guess though, for you, before we change the conversation to this year's playoff run, in particular, all of the knowledge that you clearly have within the Raptors organization, are you, it's something, I get it. We're celebrating what you're doing, but are you sort of looking forward to, eh, She's just a play by play lady, like no big deal. Or, how do you feel about sort of the accolades that have come with your role so far?
0: So, <laughs> this is like the interesting thing about me. Um, and I know like we've been, had a chance to get to know each other. Uh, and I don't know if you picked up on it, but I'm like, I'm an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert, if that even makes sense. So, like, <laughs> I'm a I'm a homebody. I can keep to myself. As you know, I've gone off of social media right now. Um, kind of pulling, like, in a way, like a LeBron with the zero dark 23. Um, I don't plan on it. I don't know if I'm going to do it the whole playoffs because I'm not playing. So I don't need to worry about it. <laughs> However, Girl, you ain't real like, player sorry, mode. <laughs> sorry for the random tangent, but, you know, watching playoff games without the distraction of tweeting about the game or – some, or like checking the video of an, of something like someone getting crossed up on Instagram. Yo, I've enjoyed the playoffs in the first few game so much better. <laughs> I believe <laughs> that. I'm not hundred no, I, I can just watch the game. Um, but my apologies on that tangent. No, so I uh, I actually kind of don't like the the spotlight being on me. Which is funny, given what I do for a living. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just a little um, ironic. You know? Um, so, I understand why um, people want to talk about it. Why people want to talk to me about it. Why there's a spotlight and why people want to try and turn the spotlight on to get more people to, to talk about it. I totally understand it. I totally get it. But just knowing my personality, um, I'm also like, ah, do we have to, like, can we just like keep it moving and talk about sports? Um, just because at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm not the first, I'm the first in, you know, 30 years, which is crazy to think because the first woman to do it, you know, you mentioned Candace's peace, which was, you know, every time I see her, Um, I think at some point I thank her for that piece because she, she did such a phenomenal job with it It um, and a better job than I could have ever asked her to do. But, um, like I wasn't even one, when the first woman did it back in, in 88, like I was, I was just a few months old, which is kind of crazy to think. Um, but like you mentioned Lisa who had, you know, she joined the list of doing a game this year with the bulls. Um, and I apologize because her name is me right now, but I know um, there's a woman who has done a couple of games this season as well with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, and I just – I can't think of the name off the top of my head, so I do apologize. Um, but, like, women women like that and women like Doris Burke, um, Beth Mowen, who might not do play-by-play or might not do men's basketball um, at the pro level, but they still had to do something – before i could even be in this position so while i understand people want to call me a trailblazer um and and you know kind of talk about it and lift lift it up and i i appreciate it and i'm thankful for it at the end of the day someone else had to do it first in order for me to even be able to do it um but at the same time i understand that there's a little girl who is alive right now or is not alive and might be alive in a few years that will possibly see me on the television. And that will influence her because, you know, maybe Doris is retired at that time or Lisa is retired or Beth is retired and all they know is me. So while someone else had to do it for me, I understand that I have to do it for someone else. So I'm thankful and I'm appreciative as I said. Um, but at the same time, I'd, it always comes back to, can we just get back to talking
1: about hoops? Okay. Well, with that said, I appreciate your perspective and let's go straight to the hoops conversation because part of our banter before you logged off of Twitter, I totally respect it, was whether or not game one in the series between the Magic and the Raptors meant anything because Kyle, as we know, laid that goose egg and they still were within three points. You said, oh no, this is bigger than that. And then... In sports talk, everybody went on the two and fourteen record in game ones and so on and so forth. But your former organization did bounce back in game two. So what is it about this Raptors team that makes game one such a jinx, Megan? Ooh,
0: that's a little question.
1: <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, um, we're digging in. You know, to be honest, I don't I don't even know
0: that's the crazy thing about it is I don't even know what it is, or I don't even know if they know what it is about game one, because when you look back, majority of the time they've had game one at home in their own arena. Now Scotiabank, formerly Air Canada Center. And everyone around the NBA knows that that place, when it comes to playoff time, whether it's Leafs or Raptors, there is not an open seat in the place. Like that, that's, that is the one thing, you know, you, people can talk about how, you know, how not reliable they are, how not trustworthy they are when it comes to playoff time, but what they can't take away from that organization and that fan base is that win, lose, or draw, that fan base will be there and they will let you know. Like you take it back to that, I think it was 2016 run when they got to the Eastern Conference finals and no one expected them to be, to be even in that position because, the seven-game series with Indiana that literally came down to the shot clock, um, which I was in the arena for that absolutely insane game. And then you go to round two against Miami that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, went six. um, Again, came down to one shot. Um, They could have have lost both those series and not even been in that situation. But then you get to the Eastern Conference Finals and you take on LeBron. Games one and two, we know what happened. They got – You know, their butt's handed to them. Then in a turn of events, games three and four, they hand LeBron and the Cavs the exact same thing. Game five, we know what happened. All five games in in that series, they were all blowouts. And then you come to game six, again, another blowout. But everybody remembers Doris Burke interviewing LeBron at the end of that game in game six and the crowd. LeBron made a point in a post-game presser to stop doors and thank the fans because of the way that that fan base comes out. So that's one thing that that team can't take, can not can never have taken away from them. I don't know what it is about game one. If it's just playoff jitters, like let's just have a bad game so when we bounce back people, you know, people can't really say anything because we bounce back. Um, but they need to figure it out because they – no disrespect to the Orlando Magic, they've had a heck of a season that no one expected them to have. No one expected the Orlando Magic with no all-star, no top 15 player, no player on their roster in contention for all NBA to be in the playoffs, let alone fight to get into the playoffs when it comes down to game 81 and 82. And yet they took the Raptors to the brink in game one. And handed to them one of the worst losses, not points wise, but just the way it looked on paper, and forced Kyle Lowry to go 0 for o Like, I'm sorry, no starting point guard in the NBA that's an All Star at that caliber should put up one zero. But if you're gonna go 0 for, don't put up seven shots. Like, you gotta empty the clip on that.
1: Hello, go like,
0: oh, in, hello.
1: I, I agree with no. I agree with you. Yes, hello, as in I agree.
0: <laughs> right, like you gotta like empty empty the clip, like. 14, 15, 16 shots. Like you need to be aggressive because for whatever reason the aggression just went, it, it left. And then I laughed like Kyle's my guy, love that guy. But I had the laugh in his, in his post game when he said I still had an impact. You can't
1: have an impact in a loss and put up no points. Megan, yes you can cause you got, you're like on the floor like the defense still has to account for you for a bit, no?
0: In, in a loss, no. In a win, maybe <laughs> I'll give that to you. But in a loss to the Orlando Magic, you cannot okay. put up zero and have an impact, in my opinion, as a starting point guard. If you're having impact, you will so, be dishing out. You need to have, like, 15 dimes, pull down 15 rebounds, and y'all need to win. You can't have a loss attached to that. But that's just me.
1: I feel you. No, I, d- I definitely feel you on the loss. Okay, and we're running into our... Um, end of this segment here, but really quickly, are all the things that you just spoke about reason enough? You can give me a percentage on this one that Kawhi will stay because you know he didn't answer his teammate Serge Ibaka over a delicious table of bull penis pizza.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Serge for for how hungry are you? Because that is oh, that's that's great. Um, fantastic job on that. To whoever, if it wasn't his idea. <laughs> i don't even that's one of the best things i've ever seen um so funny enough i said when this trade went down back in what july um i i had no problems going on record and saying that in my opinion i think they could get to the nba playoffs and win or win lose or draw i don't think Kawhi stays and everybody okay. likes to equate him to paul george and okc two different types of personalities two different type of people. You can't compare the same situation because it's not the same situation. Kawhi has proven he is a different type of dude and everything. What I do think will keep him is the medical staff and Alex McKechnie, who is the director of sports science, also an assistant coach with Toronto Raptors. I think if he stays, it's because McKechnie built a huge, huge amount of trust with him when it came to returning from that quad injury. I know everybody loved hearing about load management. But guess what? It's allowed him to be able to play 48 minutes when it comes to playoff time because they did not gas him in the regular season. I know we don't like load management. and We don't like players resting. But in this situation, it was the best decision medically for the player, given what he's gone through. I think if he stays in Toronto, it's because of the medical team and what they did for him mentally, emotionally, and physically – to give him the trust and let him feel that he can trust them when it comes to injuries. And I think that was a big issue that he had in San Antonio. At some point the trust was gone and that's what he needed to leave. I don't think it comes down to winning and losing for him to stay. I think it comes down to, does he trust that medical team or not? And I think that will
1: be a big proponent and a huge component if he stays or not. Hmm. Fantastic insight that we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on this one. Okay. This is truly your last thing. Cause girl, we could have a homegirl conversation for forever, but we do have to get Mike <laughs> Hill in here talking about the Clippers warriors series on the podcast. We wrap up our final thought with the name of the podcast. I need you to give me a bucket, something that you're proud of this year over the course of your career, or we can go playoffs, wherever you want to go with it. Something that's a bucket, your a plus thing. Your board is your thing that may not be good all on the surface, but it has some silver lining to it as in a rebound. So it's a board. And then your block is, for example, Kyle putting up zero and saying he had an impact and a loss is a straight up block. So before we close out your segment, Miss Megan McPeak, the extraordinary, I need your bucket board and block on either the NBA playoffs or your first year here in the nation's capital. Um. I think my my bucket, this is going to be a funny one, but
0: if anyone knows because I'm from Canada, it's going to make sense. The weather in wintertime in the DMV is a bucket for me. Like wintertime, and it only snows, what, like three full days? I am I shocked that. at that. I'm shocked, but okay. <laughs> I will take that. Like I I I'm down with like 50 to 60 degree winter weather. Coming from Canada, I'll take it. So, for okay. me, that's actually a bucket. Okay. Um My board, I would probably say getting to do the preseason playoff game. Fantastic. Um, And then my block, whew. I mean, I don't know. You're going to be mad because I don't really, like, live life with regrets. I, I do stuff and I do it with, okay. like, everything. I like that. So, like, no blocks. I don't. I don't. I don't have any blocks. Like I don't regret anything. I'm, I mean, unless
1: I can throw my block at his pile, saying he had an impact. <laughs> there you go. We'll take that one as your block, just for the sake of the game. Well, Megan, my friend, thank you so much for joining me. We're definitely going to keep our ears tuned now to maybe some behind-the-scenes factors on whether Kawhi returns to a Raptors jersey next year. But thanks for coming on. I appreciate you having me. This was a blast. Buckets, boards, and blocks with me, Monica McNutt, is one of four weekly shows from Pure Hoops Media. I'll join you every Thursday with my unique takes on the world of hoops and introduce you to some fresh personalities in the sport that we all love. On Monday, we've got the Mike Wise Show with the master storyteller himself. I've known Mike for so long and all of his all-star roster guests. Some of Mike's interviews so far have included Laker owner Jeannie Butts, Jamal Crawford, Grant Hill, and many others. Each Wednesday, Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov drop by with Catch and Shoot, where they combine deep knowledge of the game with a sense of fun. Their guests have included George Carl, Mike Green, and Hall of Famer Rick Barry. Finally, on Friday, TGIF, three-time champ and current player agent B.J. Armstrong joins Eric Newman for the Pure Hoops podcast. You never know what B.J. will say, but when it's all said and done, he's usually right. Please listen to all of our Pure Hoops media shows. Download, subscribe, listen, rate, review, and most of all, enjoy. All right, guys. So Buckets, Boards, and Blocks continues to roll on. Thanks for listening. Shout out to Megan for some dope insight on the Toronto Raptors and her role as a play-by-play voice in the NBA. Now, I got my guy. We once called ourselves like a music group when we worked together at Fox. Yeah. Monica and Mike. Yeah. Mike Hill? Yeah. The host of the Los Angeles Clippers pre and post games show this year. Mike, what's up, my man? Woo yeah. How you doing, Monica?
2: <laughs> I'm just getting started, man. We can, we can take this to Vegas. We can do a residency. Let's make this money, Monica. What's going on? How you, you know doing? what?
1: If, if I'm fantastic. If someone is going to pay you and I to sing, I will not turn down their dollars, but I will question their sanity.
2: Yeah, hey, I can't turn down any money. I got two people, two two little girls going to college next year. So uh, uh-uh, I ain't turning down nothing. I might start stripping.
1: <laughs> Super, oh, my goodness. Super excited about that. Congratulations to the girls. But here's why I brought you in, Mike, for your expertise. Uh-huh. I don't know if you saw, you know, this week, this thing happened in the NBA where the Clippers got down by 31 points to the reigning champions, the Golden State Warriors. And somehow they managed to pull off a win. What do you people in L.A. know about this organization that the rest of the country didn't?
2: What? The Clippers can't? No, you can't tell me that the Clippers, a team with no All-Stars currently or presently, came back from 31 points down in the second half against the two-time defending world champions in Oracle Arena with all their superstar players. You can't tell me that happened, Monica. But I'm I, trying I to I know it happened. It's crazy. I know it happened. You know why? Because <laughs> I was there. I was there. I witnessed it. It was one of the most significant special feats in sports I've ever seen in my entire career. And I've been doing this for 24 years. I mean, I've been at a lot of great events. I've seen a lot of special moments. I've seen a lot of special moments with the Clippers just this season alone. But what I saw uh, the other night uh, in game two of that Western Conference first-round series was simply remarkable. I won't say it's shocking. I will say I was deeply surprised, but it was just magical. And while it was happen- happening, Monica, I was amazed uh, at the-, the resiliency and the comeback and-, and the heart that this team has displayed and that they put on display on uh, the other night in game two to win that series and actually take home court advantage in the first round. It was It was simply remarkable.
1: Absolutely. Now, our producer, Bruce, brought up that this team... Mm-hmm is no stranger to sort of deficits. But I think when you combine the playoffs and the team that they were down to, the team that can turn a five point lead into a 30 point lead, literally in like six possessions, it seems like. Um, But they've done this over the course of the season a couple of times. What is it about this group that allows them to do that in the first place? Or is it like what allows them to get down and then what allows them to come back, I guess is the question.
2: Well, first, I guess what allows them to get down is that, you know, they don't have a lot of superstar players. You know, they're they're not a a group of all-stars or or first-team, second-team, all-NBA players. So they play against some really good teams. But I've seen this several times this year. I have never seen a more resilient group of players ever in my professional career. I mean that on any level in any sport. This is a group led by Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, of course, doing his thing off the bench, Montrez Harrell with his energy that has amazed me all season long. I saw them come back from 20 points down against Charlotte. I saw them come back against uh, the Detroit Pistons and their former teammate Blake Griffin by 25 points and come back and win that game. I saw them, as Bruce mentioned, uh, come back against the Boston Celtics and Kyrie Irving and that group, even though Kyrie got hurt. 28 points down, all three of those games on the road and did that, man. This is what this team has been all about. You know why, Monica? Because this team has more heart more soul, more desire, more tenacity than any other team I've ever been around in my life. And I'm not just saying that because I work with them in the pre and post game show. I get a kick. I enjoy watching this team. I have more pleasure watching this team than any other team in the history of any sport because this is a team that has all heart. Once again, they don't have the big names. They don't have the superstars, but they got that heart. And I will take the heart. And the soul and desire and the belief in themselves when other people doubt them over anything. And what's more, even more remarkable, they weren't supposed to be here, Monica.
1: Right. They were
2: supposed to be a team that won 33 games this season. They weren't supposed to be a team that, when the trading deadline came, they were supposed to be tanking because they traded away their best players. They got rid of uh, to, Tobias Harris right. and brought in some other guys, and everybody's saying, okay, well, let's get ready for the draft lottery. Let's get ready for the off season." But right now, they are in the postseason, and their are tied 1-1 against the two-time defending world champions. It's, it's simply great.
1: So a couple things happened in that game, though. We mm-hmm. saw, and we saw in game one, the feistiness of Patrick, of Patrick Beverly drawing or even asking for the assignment, as we heard on the broadcast, to defend Kevin Durant. So if you had to mm-hmm. break down that game, though, Mike, Is Patrick Beverly then 1A in terms of the heart and soul? Lou Williams is the firepower 1B? Or does Montrez Harrell become 1B based on passion? Because in the course of that game, remember, Patrick filed out, and then Katie filed out shortly thereafter. And I remember in particular, I think, was it Montrez? There was a steal out at at the top of the key that led to a fast break, and Montrez followed and dunked and was screaming. And I think at that point they cut it to like five, and it was on Mm -hmm. and popping.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you got to give credit to all three of those guys. And I love Montrez's energy. He comes to play every single night uh, off the bench. He accepts his role. Lou Williams has just been doing it for 14 years. Should be the unanimous choice for the sixth man of the year. But, Monica, the heart and soul of this team, the heartbeat of this team is Patrick Beverly. I mean, and he does it. He doesn't have to put up five points on the stat sheet. The things that he does that doesn't go on the stat sheet, uh, it's just – it's been crazy. It, it, he He – he could, he could control a basketball game by scoring five points, grabbing six and seven rebounds, and dishing out four or five assists because he gets under the skin of the other team's best player. He does it against Kevin Durant. You see how he's affecting Kevin Durant in this series. But what people who, does, who don't follow the Clippers didn't get a chance to see is what he did against LeBron James earlier this year, the thing he did against Paul George earlier this year, and how he defended them. Patrick Beverly won't back down from anybody. You remember, I know, you know, when he was with the Houston Rockets and, and mm-hmm. the, the big incident he had with Russell Westbrook and all that stuff, and he gets, you know, known for being maybe a dirty player. He is hardly a dirty player. He is a passionate, heart player who does believe in himself when nobody else believes in him, and he gets the job done. No doubt about it, in my mind, he's a heart and soul. And they are 35-15 and 15 with him in the starting lineup this year, Monica. They wow. are – I've seen this team with Patrick Beverly starting and playing – and I've seen this team without him. And at the end of the season, when he went out with that hill pointer, they were a totally different team. And one of the reasons they dropped down to the AC, this team probably would have been a, a five or six seed, fifth or six seed, if Patrick Beverly would have been healthy the last couple of games of that season. But when mm. he's on that floor, they are entirely different. And everybody picks up on his energy and they follow his lead.
1: So these guys are obviously fantastic, but it also is only slightly beneficial that they've got a Hall of Fame caliber coach along their sideline in Doc Rivers. You've been, I mean, we remember Doc from Boston. He's been in with the LA for quite a while now. What would you say about his coaching job this year? Because to your point, like this group of guys is not supposed to be here.
2: I thought he did a great job last year when he led the team to a 42 and 40 record. They didn't make the postseason. Despite all the injuries that they had, and they traded away Blake Griffin, I thought he did a great job then. I thought it was the best coaching job that he did uh, in his coaching career. And I know he's a former coach of the year. But this year, by far, has been Doc Rivers' best coaching job. That's one of the reasons the Lakers want him. That's the reason why all mm-hmm. the other teams want him. And I'm glad that, you know, he's decided to stick around with the L.A. Clippers and build on what they plan on doing in the offseason and years to come. But he has been instrumental. Think about this. No All-Stars, no Superstars. He believes in his team. They got off to a, a, you know okay start in the, in the beginning of the season. They hit a little bit of a slide, but they picked it up. How many coaches do you know can coach a team, keep them in contention without all-stars, without any superstars, and then go through a trade where you lose half of your team, including your top scorer, and one of your best big men, and one of your best outside shooters, and still become a better team? They went 13-2. and in the month of March.
0: They were right. first
2: in a lot of categories, including points and three-point field goal percentage. Their defense even got better. A lot of that credit goes to Doc Rivers and, of course, his assistant coach, Sam Cassell, and Res Kalamian, and all the other guys on the staff. But here's the difference, though, Monica. He also has uh, personnel. He also has players on that team that don't mind being coached. And mm-hmm. that is a key ingredient mm-hmm. in that, because you bring in the superstar players, sometimes they want to do their own thing. But he's got the right players, and you got to give a lot of credit to the front office, and Lawrence Frank and Jerry West for bringing in those right players so that Doc can coach him, and they are allowing him to coach them. And that's why they're having the success they're having this year.
1: Man, the Clips got a perfect storm going on between all those names you're just and now guys that just kind of earned our respect on the court. Like it's crazy, Mike, but I guess here's the thing that was fantastic. It I was so happy that I had work to do that night and stayed up to see that whole game. I kept looking. And when they cut it to 10, I was like, is this happening? Like, is this about to happen? And they cut to clay Thompson one time. And I was like, this is happening. Like, look at the warriors faces. Um, But where do they go from here, Mike? Because it still is the warriors. And while this team may not be as dominant as, as we've seen in the past, there's five games left to be played potentially in this series and it still is an uphill battle.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, look, no, no, no doubt about it. You know, the the Clippers won a game. They didn't win a series. I mean, and they celebrated like they should have when they came back from 31 points down, but they also know that the Warriors ain't going to give up. The Warriors didn't lose this series. and I know all the national media is going out there basically saying what's wrong with the Warriors. Well, yeah, they, they had an off night. Clay. I mean, uh, um, Clay in game one didn't have the greatest game. He came back in game two. They lost to Marcus Cousins to the uh, season-ending injury with the quad. Steph got into foul trouble. And, yes, Kevin Durant is allowing Patrick Beverly to get under the skin. But this is still the two-time defending world champions. They won three out of the last four. They got a good coach in Steve Kerr. They'll be back. And I expect on uh, Thursday night it's going to be a a, a heavyweight fight. They're going to fight, but the Clippers are going to hit back. And that's what's so great about it. They know that they have an opportunity to shock the world and stun the world, so the Clippers are going to come out there and fight. But here's the thing, once again, if they don't win another game in this series, the Clippers have already done their job. They have already proven, and they put that great resume tape out there for any potential free agent, such as a Kawhi Leonard, or even think about this, Kevin Durant seeing that up close and personal. So if he decides to leave the Warriors, guess what? He's given all this credit and all that love. To the Clippers, if you notice, he ain't even talking smack about Patrick Delvey. He's giving love to Landry Shaman and all those other guys with the biggest shot of his career the other night. Look at that. So they're setting the stage, even if they get knocked out in five games and the Warriors take the next three games, the Clippers have already done their job setting themselves up for next season. But, you know, of course, they're going to fight and try and win and stay in this, these playoffs as long as they possibly
1: can. I like what you did there, Mike, but I got to say, considering some opportunities coming my way, I personally am rooting for Katie to come back East, but we'll discuss that at another point. (laughs) Um, But Uh let me ask you this though, Mike, the Clippers, you're right. They're going to be a fantastic destination. Are you guys, ex- like, what's what's the word on the street? Like, is Kawhi coming back west? Like, do you really think there's a shot at KD? I mean, what's going on? Because Megan, who I had on prior to you, who spent time in Toronto, she said that if Kawhi were going to stay, it would probably have something to do with the medical staff, which apparently is phenomenal in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But she didn't expect mm-hmm. him to stay otherwise.
2: Well, you know, I'm I'm not a recruiter for the Clippers, but uh, the Clippers got a pretty good medical staff, too. Uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure, you know, Steve Ballmer's were. $45 billion, so uh, um, Kawhi can bring in his own medical staff if he wants to, uh, if they got a chance to get him. So, yeah, I, I agree with her. I don't think Kawhi is actually staying. I don't care if they go to the NBA Finals. I really don't think this. And from what I'm hearing, I can't say for sure he's coming to the Clippers because you never know because I'm pretty sure there are a lot of Lakers fans that thought Paul George would be in a Lakers uniform uh, last year, and that wasn't the case. So anything is possible. People can uh, uh, have the their, their right as a free agent to change their mind but I really do believe because of what the Clippers are able to do this year because of the way they set things up and because of the way Jerry West, the great Jerry West, has constructed this team to bring in the right kind of players that a guy like Kawhi Leonard would be the perfect fit to come in and help the Clippers get over that top. And also guys like Kevin Durant. So the, the L.A. Clippers right now is a prime destination. If you look across the landscape of all these teams out there with all that salary cap, that could be a contender and win for years to come. I mean, look, I, I know the Knicks got money, and they might even get Zion or whatever. And I love the Knicks. I'm a personally, I'm a Knicks fan. I would love to see them uh, support a great team, you know. But they're not in a better position than the Clippers. And I, I know Bruce Bernstein, your producer. I I love him. Boston, of course, they have a chance to get Anthony uh, Davis and all those guys, or whatever he decides to come there, or whatever. They lose Kyrie or whatnot. They got a great situation as well. But mm, the Clippers. In my opinion, when it comes to free agents, that's the prime destination because it's LA, first and foremost. You ain't got to deal with the craziness that's going on with the Lakers right now and what's happening in the front office or the, the uh, insurrection or whatever is happening over there. They don't even know where their coach is or <laughs> their president is right now. And then the Clippers, they got a billionaire owner who loves his team. They got a Doc who's a future. They got a, a coach who's a, and Doc Rivers, who's a future Hall of Famer. And they got a great nucleus of young players and good contracts with Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell still under good contracts for next year at a low price. So why wouldn't you come to the L.A. Clippers, man, and and try and help them get over the top? That's just my spiel. They didn't pay me to do that, but if they want to give me some money, I'll take
1: it. (laughs) I was just about to say, did they pay you to do that because you're laying it on?
2: (laughs) I'm just saying. I just think think it's a a prime. I mean, it's L.A. first and foremost, man. And you've been out here, Monica. You know how it is.
1: I love L.A. I would come out here in a heartbeat.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and and but you don't have to deal with the craziness of the and then you know Lakers man when you come here it's like and I'm not saying that expectations are bad because I think if you're a prime player you should want the expectations and you should want to live up to those expectations and accept that type of stuff but you come here to the Clippers and you help them build something that they've never built before help them get out of the second round of playoffs for the first time and see do you realize what you can do if you come in here as a free agent like Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard and create your own and build your own destiny? I mean, think about that. Even if Kevin Durant look he could have done it in Oklahoma City, but Kevin Durant's not going to get the love that he deserves, even though he's a two-time MVP in Golden State, because they already had a great team that had won 73 games before he arrived there. LeBron James, I don't care if he wins two or three championships with Lakers, he's still going to be known as maybe the fifth or sixth best Laker of all time. It's not going to happen. You come Mm -hmm. here to the L.A. Clippers – or I throw out the Knicks, too, because they ain't won in a long time. Just put that, put that out there because that's still <laughs> my team. <laughs> Just a hint, hint. If you do that, you go out there and you build something, you help the Clippers build something they've never had before, or you help the Knicks, which hasn't won in 40 years, do something that they haven't done in a long time. You are setting the stage for yourself and your legacy. And I think right now for guys like Kevin Durant, and maybe even Kawhi Leonard, who's, never, you know, who's won a championship or whatever. Those guys have won championships. I think that's what's best for them in helping them build their legacy. Do something like LeBron did when he went back to Cleveland and helped them win that championship.
1: Man, Mike, you, you got your salesman hat pitch, your name tag <laughs> on your badge, you putting it on. <laughs> now let me ask you this, hey. and then we're going to wrap this conversation, though. There is, there at least nationally, and you're in L.A., so correct me if I'm wrong, there does still mm-hmm. seem to be a notion that Los Angeles is the Lakers town. Is that mm-hmm. changing? Like is, is that changing quicker than the national media has recognized?
2: No, it's still Lakers town. It, it right. is. I mean, I, I I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It's it's just like the New York will always be a Yankee town. Just like, you know, it, even here, when it comes to the baseball teams, the angels can win three or four championships. It's always going to be a Dodgers town. Cause it's the LA Dodgers. what's ingrained in them. The Lakers, have earned that, 16 NBA world titles. I mean, they have earned that right. The Clippers have never gone out of the second round. Uh, Eventually, that could change when they get a new arena and they build a legacy of their own or whatever, Uh, but I still see way more Laker jerseys, even in the national perspective or even here in the local news. When they talk about the two NBA teams, you see the Laker highlight first and the Clippers second, even though the Clippers had a better season than the Lakers all year long. The Lakers being bad, is more news than the Clippers being good on a national and even here on a local level because of the star power mm. and the people that enjoy them. That's just how it is, and the Clippers got to deal with that. Tomorrow, when they play their playoff game tomorrow, I guarantee, and this is, and I'm going to bring this up on the air, and I'm going to challenge Clipper fans out there to come to the playoff games and support this team that's fighting hard for you and trying to win championships and trying to win games for you. But I guarantee you tomorrow, when I go into that arena at Staples Center, it's going to be a large contingent, if not half of the crowd at Staples Center, are going to be Warriors fans. And they're going to be cheering for Steph and Clay uh. and Kevin Durant and those guys. That's what happened. And so the mm. Clippers got to change that whole aspect. Now, I will say this. I was at the gym today, and I am seeing a little bit more, you know, Clipper jerseys than I'm used, used to seeing now. I didn't see that. I saw a Chris Paul jersey. I see a Blake Griffin okay. jersey. I guess they haven't bought the new Landry Schammett jerseys or the, the Patrick <laughs> Beverly jerseys but they are bringing out the old jerseys because they're proud to wear them again. So I am seeing a little bit more support than I have seen in the past. But yeah, it's not quite uh, or even close to the magnitude of the support that the Lakers get in this town. And I don't see if that's going to change in a long time until they start winning some championships.
1: Mm. Well, good stuff, Mike. We love the perspective that you bring. Clearly, you got the best seat in the house for all the ups and downs with the Clippers this season. And we're going to be keeping our eyes on this series. Now, before we let you go, The namesake, last conversation of this podcast, or the last conversation is the namesake of the podcast. It's a bucket and a board and a block. And I'm leaving it up to you to take it wherever you want, whether it's the entire NBA season, whether it's this particular series, the Clippers, period. What's your bucket, your board, and your block, Mike Hill? All
2: right, so give me the bucket again. It's something that I like, something that I enjoy, something that I love. Your bucket is your
1: A plus thing.
2: My A-plus thing. I got to give. well, I know I'm going to sound like a homer, but my A-plus thing is the Clippers and what they've been able to do this season when a lot of people doubted them. So I'm giving love to the Clippers, even though they're the A C seed in the Western Conference.
1: Okay, and then your board is something that innately may not be all positive, but there's some silver lining to it, like a rebound.
2: Okay, uh, my board is, you know, just, (laughs) man, I I sound like I'm Clipper-centric, but it's just like, I, well, I'm gonna give it to the Golden State Warriors because I think they're gonna rebound. Okay. I think, I think you know, look, that's an embarrassment when you're the two-time defending world champions at home and you blow the biggest lead in NBA playoff history. I think this team, led by Steph Curry and the heart that they have, I think they'll be able to rebound. I still think, even though I'm with the Clippers, I still think they're gonna win this series, possibly in five games. Mm,
1: okay. And then your block. What's your, what's your um, straight up block? No good. Get out of here.
2: I'm blocking the Lakers and I know a lot of Lakers fans out there, okay. but this season has been terrible as the the Clippers have been the pleasant surprise in the NBA this season. The Lakers have been an utmost disaster and almost an embarrassment. I mean, Magic Johnson quit. <laughs> magic, magic said, Ugh. I, I want to be magic again. I mean, when you, when magic ain't happy, <laughs> magic's the happiest man I've ever met and been around in my life. Man. And magic's not happy, man. That, that, that lets you know how depressing that, that, that job was, man. So, uh, with everything that happened there, man, they are, they are the biggest disappointment in the NBA this season with them bringing in the best player in the world, LeBron James. Even despite the injuries, it was just a dysfunctional group. That whole Anthony Davis, the trade scenario, that food man, was just uh, utmost just like a disaster. So I'm definitely giving the block to the L.A. Lakers this year.
1: Fantastic, Mike Hill. Well, thanks for coming on, my man. I got to get out to the West Coast and see you soon. Come on, holler at your boy, man. Let's get this thing in group started, man. I'll get up some practice time. We go out there and just try and make this money, Monica. We need to. I'm I'm it's all about streams of income in 2019. I'm with it.
2: <laughs> you right about that.
1: All right. Thanks, Mike.
2: Anytime, love. Take care.
1: Okie dokie people. Buckets, boards, and blocks. I'm rebranding the triple B brand. Hashtag BBB Pod. That's gonna be my hashtag. Anyway, one of my favorite parts of the show with one of my favorite people. Hey Dad.
3: <laughs> What's happening?
1: All right, so official review. You listened. Yeah. Is Kawhi leaving Toronto? Do you agree? Disagree?
3: <laughs> I, I defer to the experts. We're just waiting to see.
1: Um, and Clippers as a marquee destination for the free agents. You agree, disagree? Uh
3: with where with are with playing and Doc Rivers, although <laughs> I I couldn't laugh. Patrick Beverly as the go-to man. That's interesting. I mean, he's been a journeyman his whole career, and now he's a star. That that really says a lot for Doc Rivers coaching right there.
1: It, just Doc Rivers coaching or Pat?
3: <laughs> Both, actually, but more so Doc because, I mean, Patrick was just a, a journeyman, uh, you know, come off the bench. I like his game. He's a high-energy guy. Like he said, he's tough as nails, but to be your number one cat? That's interesting. I don't
1: think he's number one. I think he's the heart Wait, of that
3: who, team. Who did he say? Montrez Harold?
1: Lou Williams, Lou Williams is your he, he's the bench.
3: He's about, he's about my age. So uh,
1: No, he's not. <laughs> Lou Williams has two girlfriends. I don't know what kind of life Lou is living, but anyway. Um, those are good, that was good, those are good insight. Mm-hmm. Those those good insight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, dad. So, what you gotta get off your chest about the NBA playoffs? Because the other day, you got we got some jabs for Giannis? I no, think? not
3: jabs. No, 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 absolutely not. It's just that it's, I'm, I'm watching his growth and uh he's my man. I, I think I was on Giannis the year before, uh, when he was just you know doing some things on the floor. Then then he he went out and I think it was two years ago. He led the team in five categories and nobody had done it in forever. Uh scoring, rebounding, assists, block shots, and steals. And then everybody was saying, Oh, yeah, this Yanis guy. And I was always saying, Giannis is good, Yanis, you you've watched this guy, this guy's gonna be special. So then he did that, and now he's just growing and growing and growing. And I'm just watching the things that everybody's on his train. And the thing that um impressed me was that he came with no Baggage. He didn't have any, any of that American American in the sense that none of the, high, the hot dogging and, and flair. He just played ball. He wanted to get better. You can see the hunger uh, that he wants to be a, a, a star in this game, superstar. I, they throw that word around too casual for my taste. But now he's he's getting there, and he's started. He's in an MVP contest. He's a, he's a front runner to, to, to win the MVP award. So now what's happening is all of a sudden. He's become American, Americanized AAU, which he never played after every, after a bucket. Now he's got the muscle flex and now he knows where the camera is and he's posturing. He's got the mug face and all of these things, you know, it it was, none of that was part of his game. And, uh, now it is. So some people are saying, okay, yeah, he's, he's, he's a bad boy. He's only going to get better. He's only 24. Um, but what's, you know, he's he's, he's he's changing a little bit.
1: Are some people actually saying that, or are you saying no, that? No, no, no,
3: because it was brought to my attention. And I just said, I've noticed By who? It.
1: By, like, like I mean, your friends? friends? And people. So y'all are, are like, talking, old and cranky. No,
3: no, 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 we're still just fans of the game. And we just noticed there's a change taking place.
1: Yeah, but even down to, like, me watching the WNBA as a little girl, Teresa Weatherspoon, you used to shake your head because you felt like she hot dog too much. Like, just admit that you are a guy that would rather see a dude make a basket and not react.
3: Sometimes it's a good thing. There's special plays that you do, like you know, reverse dunk or some of the things Giannis does, just incredible. <laughs> he got every
1: right to be celebrating. And, and
3: crossover, go down the lane, and and and, and throw it down left-handed. I, I, I saw him do that one time. Crossover right to left hand. Continue down the lane, take the bump, play through it, and finish with left hand. That's worthy of some accolades and some. And so some he ideas. does it all the but time. Now, but now, it's starting to be after every bucket. It's starting to be after routine things. And I'm saying, oh, come on, man, just just, just keep playing. But he's going to be fine because watching his game grow, he's my he's he's top three in terms of favorite players with LeBron, KD, because he's from the DC area. I ref I ref KD, he played for me uh, in in Ooh, he played so, for so, you. So you uh, yeah, he, 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 so he He's my guy. Um, And then Giannis is just uh, moving up. He does, diff- he does different things. Giannis uh, plays more physical than KD. And KD wants to shoot it outside the three, which Giannis, Giannis can't do. That would be- become part of his game. LeBron is just muscle, and he plays. He's the smartest guy in the game, so he plays that way. Giannis, just to watch him come and grow, and he added – uh, he had muscle and strength, and now he is just to see where he, where this, where his ceiling is going to be. It's just fun to watch. And I think they are going to get to the finals out in the East. Agreed. And I think the, like, like we just had in the last segment, the part about the Warriors blowing a 31-point lead at home in the second half, I don't like. Uh, they've been doing this all year long, this up and down. You know, they're bored, and we can't, they can't wait till they get to the real season. I'm not so sure. And then Cousins lost. Um, yeah, they're trying to put on a good face, and we got Bogut and the young guy. Um, I know Bell is one of them, but there's a guy missing in between. I'm not so sure they get home in the West. And if it's anybody else but the Warriors, I actually think Milwaukee can take the whole thing. Woo! And, and and here first. I wouldn't mind them doing that um led by led by Giannis and and uh both both hoser am i pronouncing his name yeah,
1: right mike bootenholzer
3: with spreading out the floor only that, that was, it was it was a stroke of uh, uh a genius, the way he's put shooters all around him and he just penetrates and if they don't <laughs> if they come to double trouble team he kicks the ball and he can pass the ball at six this guy's six eleven um and pass the ball like that and if he don't he finishes this this is fun to watch
1: um Giannis, my dad wants you to stop celebrating so much. If you hear this then like I personally no, think you do no, your thing. I, he's old. I can give, give another example. You got a minute
3: to give You're, me another yeah, example? Real quick. They called him the Greek freak. And nobody nobody <laughs> has the name freak as a nickname. And Giannis didn't and Giannis didn't know because that's part of part of his culture. I think this is a conversation <laughs> for a different day. <laughs> anyway, the point of it is, he's my guy. He's a top 3 in my favorite god league. He's going to get MVP they're going to the finals. And if it's not Golden State, they win.
1: Well, we didn't have wow. any officiating controversy, but I like that take. That's which a good one? take, that. what you are, just there, they, said, <laughs> that it's, it's Milwaukee, <laughs> and if it's not Golden State, it's Milwaukee yep, all the way. Yep. No officiating issues to bug you about this nope. week. Mm-mm. Um, Most interesting series?
3: Uh, I think the Rockets and Jazz is going to be a uh, unique series, something, something to watch. I actually would like to pick the Nets over the 76ers because that 76ers Ooh. have chemistry problems galore. They're, they're, you know, it's almost Elton Brand, a new GM, almost went fantasy on you and, and picking you know best players he can get uh, with Tobias and and uh, Butler. They got chemistry issues, Simmons and B. The Nets are just out there playing with free money. Uh, they're loosey goosey. Russell's underrated, he's an all star. They could steal that series. They could. Jimmy steal that series.
1: Butler is not letting that happen, and now I'm revoking your uh, privileges of chit chatting on bucket sports okay. and blocks. all right. <laughs> <laughs> it could no, for real. It would be something to watch for sure. But anyway, thanks, Dad. Okay. Hands down, man down. All right, guys, it's time for me to say my thank yous to my fantastic team: Bruce Bernstein, Ben Wolfen, my guests Megan McPeak and Mike Hill. Really quickly, my bucket sports and block this week. My bucket is definitely. The Clippers come back doing something historic my board I'm gonna go with it honestly being DeMarcus Cousins injury like I get it he's coming back off the Achilles you hate to see a guy like that go down and when he was walking in the tunnel I actually was nauseous when you saw his quad not where it was supposed to be but I think that this is only going to deepen his story and I gotta believe that some kind of way this thing is bigger than basketball so I'm excited to see him come back from that and just continue to be an inspiration My block, mm, my block has gotta be the zero and the impact statement by Kyle Lowry. Come on, man, you gotta do better than that. Make sure you check out all of the Pure Hoops content. This week, Mike Wise had Grant Hill join him on the Mike Wise Show, Noah and Adam, On Catch and Shoot, we're joined by Tom McGinnis, who's the voice of the Sixers. Sixers in the playoffs, obviously. And on the Pure Hoops pod, BJ and Eric are up to their shenanigans. I'm sure they're dropping knowledge on the NBA playoffs. Thanks so much for listening. We have a blast. We love it when you join us for the ride. We'll see you back here next week. Buckets, boards, and blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.